This is the future of finance by Motive Labs. Hello, welcome to the future of finance, the Motive Labs podcast, where we live and breathe the next generation of financial technology. This is Miguel Tejeda. I'm a vice president in the Investment Demotive Partners, and I'm here with Cheryl Nash, who is the CEO of Tegra 118, a motive portfolio company. The Future of Finance podcast is somewhat of an initiation event for our portfolio companies. I'm pretty thrilled to have you on, Cheryl. I'm excited to be here too, Miguel. A bit of background on Cheryl. She's currently the CEO of Tiger 118. It was formerly known as Fiserv Investment Services. Prior to that, she held numerous roles of the company on her rise up to the top, not only within Fiserv, but also at one of its predecessors, Check Free. I've had the absolute pleasure of working alongside Cheryl for the last year and I'm very happy to have her on. With that, Cheryl, should I dive right in? That would be great. Awesome. And side note, can you believe that it's been about a full year since I last met you? Time the flies when you're having meeting. fun. <laughs> yeah, or when you're stuck in an apartment in quarantine. That's true, um, yes. So you've been in wealth and asset management, technology, and just the industry broadly for over three decades, nearly four. You've held pretty much every role outside of actually doing the coding. Maybe you have done the coding, but you're now the CEO of Tiger 118. How has your career evolved and prepared you for your role today? Yes, you're right. I've been in fintech and wealth and asset management my entire career. Over the years, I've had many opportunities to lead and run teams and to focus on clients and help them solve their challenges. So I love working with clients and I've been able and fortunate to do that. I've also had great opportunities that have shaped me personally and professionally, and I draw from those experiences to this day now as CEO of Tegra 118. Taking just a quick look back, what I think is unique about my career is that I've really been at the same company, although I've been part of three acquisitions, and each experience presented a sense of newness for me. Throughout the years, I've held several different roles across the organization. I was in client service, I was in sales, I was in relationship management, product management strategy, and I never coded. So that is one truth there, Miguel, (laughs) that you mentioned. In each instance, I was on the team, and then I ultimately ran the team. And that's given me a well-rounded perspective, and I believe prepared me well for my CEO role. Uh, Being CEO of Tegra 118 since February of 2020, which is really amazing to think. It's been challenging, it's been rewarding, and we're in a different world now with COVID. A day in the life differs from one day to the next. I start my day early with daily check-ins with my executive team, something we put in place shortly after COVID started. Those touch points have proven invaluable in our remote world. And I'm still very hands-on. I interact with our team. It energizes me to work with our teams. I support sales and growth opportunities. I help define and mobilize our strategy. And now with this new company that we are, it's really important that we're driving culture and transformation. I really value my time with clients. I love listening to them and working with them and help them grow. And then as with everyone today, I'm on a lot of video meetings. The days are longer, but our mission at Tegra 118 is focused and clear, and that is to deliver the premier wealth tech platform to the industry. So it's really an exciting time to be here and to work with Motive as we go through this. That's fantastic. It seems like you've really been present at nearly every single evolution of this industry because it's changed so much in the last couple of decades. Not to toot our own horn, but Tiger 118 is just a fantastic business. Can you tell us a bit more about Tiger 118? 
through what it's doing sure. for its customers, what it's doing for the industry. Yeah, I would love to. I love talking about Tegra 118. We enable wealth and asset management firms and their advisors to deliver better outcomes and experiences to their investors today and tomorrow. That's our real big mission and goal. And we are on a big mission. Together with our clients, we are building the future of wealth technology. We are committed to delivering powerful solutions that will set a new industry standard for how people interact with, manage, and grow their wealth. Now, Miguel, I really do love working with Motive. Motive has brought into the Tegra culture a very important item around client centricity. We're putting our clients at the center of our strategy, and Motive has always done that. We are closely collaborating with them. We're driving meaningful, targeted innovation, and we're really working to solve for their actual needs. So Motive has always done that with Motive Labs, with co-creation, and it's exciting to bring that into the wealth management industry and especially our clients. Our secure, stable, and scalable technology, which is really backed by our focused investment and proactive leadership, provides a partnership that our clients can trust, and we really are focused with them to bring them into the future. We have over $2 trillion of assets being managed on our technology platform. Our solutions support all front, middle, and back office core needs. We bring a unique perspective that is anchored in both decades of expertise, as well as a fresh eye that looks across a broader global fintech space. I think what's important here is that we've been in this industry, like you said, for decades, but now since February, we do have a fresh eye. And we look at ourselves as a new company, but we can still really look at that heritage that we've built over four decades of working with the industry. We will continue to invest. We already had our first acquisition, Retire Up, and we will have more. Retire Up has been a great acquisition for us. It's really focused on the retirement industry, which is a big focus, even more so with COVID as people are looking to really put their goals and financial goals in place. We're looking across the market for good partnerships, and we're also you know, looking where we can add value to our overall platform. We're on a very big mission to change how clients deliver on the needs of their investors. That's what I find particularly exciting about Tiger 118 is it's taken some time to build such an amazing customer base that truly trusts you. And yeah. now we're at a turning point where you can use that foundation to invest in innovation alongside those customers and keep them excited along the way. With that said, you were there for the impact of the last global financial crisis and seeing some of the turbulence and volatility of today's climate. What shifts and trends are you seeing in financial services and technology? Yeah, it's amazing to think about, you know, back in 2008 and 2009, what our industry went through and how technology played a major role in supporting. And it's even more important today. I mean, wealth management is facing significant disruption, I'd say on two fronts. One is the customer experience. And then second is digital transformation. We are seeing such a big shift to digital. You know, this is an example, right? We're doing a podcast to get our message out to the industry. That's happening everywhere. You know, I believe that the shift that we're seeing today has really been accelerated by COVID. And I've heard somebody say that what would have taken up to three years to get to where we are today from a digital perspective, we did it in four months. So things are happening at lightning speed. And we're seeing that across our platform. Digitalization, it's really essential right now. You really need to help create intelligent experiences that are intuitive, real-time, and personalized. There's a move to video. There's a real move to digitally enabled visual and audio collaboration. And online, real-time messaging is important. We're supporting our clients through these times. We're focused on data and analytics, APIs, where we send data to where our clients want it. 
We're building tighter integration with custody platforms and client advisor websites and really focus on greater efficiencies on client onboarding and workflows. Our clients are asking for that. They're really looking for ways to do, I'd say, more with less. Um, we've seen more volatile trading activities. And here's an example. In March and April, we saw five times the normal trade volumes daily on our platform. And that really meant that our technology needed to scale, which it did. And our clients who expect us to deliver let us know how appreciative they were during those times. And the big push on customer experience will have firms leverage artificial intelligence and real-time data to deliver better content, more personalized services, better products and services, which is really important right now. You know, wealth management, I'd say we're a little behind from a digital perspective, but we are being measured against giants like Amazon, Netflix, and the like. We need to help our clients in the industry get better products to investors that meet their specific needs and really can be delivered anywhere, anytime. It's a great time to be a technology provider. Because of the experiences we as consumers enjoy with these giants, we have a high bar to meet in wealth tech, and that's what we're focused on in Tegra 118. So it's really around, I'd say, the customer experience, and it's all around digital. That's what we're seeing, you know, is market trends right now, especially with COVID in place. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. And frankly, those tailwinds around driving the industry towards technology are what makes investing within wealth management so interesting. So just to double click on wealth management and some of those digital changes, what are the opportunities for growth in that industry? And how do you see some of the biggest emerging trends impacting the industry, like the great wealth transfer and the democratization of wealth management? Yeah, so I think we've all been forced to go outside of our comfort zone. If you're going to find opportunities, we need to look beyond, explore outside the traditional. And I think that's what's happening today. We need to stay on top. Firms will need to invest in and upgrade their technology to enhance their infrastructure and their operations, and more importantly, drive better client experience. And, you know, we need to consider new avenues. For us, we see the confluence of wealth and insurance advisory as an incredible opportunity. We acquired RetireUp in our first 100 days because as much as the story is about accumulation of wealth, it's also about once an investor reaches retirement and the shift is to decumulation of wealth, we need to make sure we're helping investors maintain financial wellness. And firms need to understand that the wealth transfer is comprised of a range of demographics, multi-generational, different ethnicities, women, and that's just not the future of wealth. That's the now of wealth and asset management. Everywhere you go, there's a big push towards making sure that the firms that are building technologies are really supporting all those different demographics. And the good news is that wealth tech providers, and I'll speak specifically to Tegra 118, are working rapidly and around the clock to advance and enhance our technology. We know it's about serving our holistic experiences that are both easy for our clients and their investor clients. So it's really important that we're focused on all of that. Great. My next question is going to go in a slightly different direction, which is a topic that's near and dear to my heart. You are very well recognized as an advocate for diversity inclusion, and I know you're particularly committed to seeing more diverse women in leadership positions. As a champion, what positive outcomes have you personally been a part of to drive progress in DNI? And what are you encouraged by and where do you need to dedicate more effort to achieve meaningful change that sticks? Great question, Miguel. And me too. I'm a big proponent of this. So diversity and inclusion is really important to me. For so many years, I was the only woman in the room and I've made it a personal focus to help other women have successful and enriching careers in wealth management. 
is really important to me. I'm proud of my many achievements. I've done a lot in this area. I've led some industry programs. And I've also, you know, helped some women get jobs and mentor them through the way. I have led the Women in Wealth Management Program for InvestNet Institute on campus since its inception. Our goal there is to educate college students on wealth management, help them get internships, and set them up for a good career. The Women in Wealth Program has been very successful. Not only do we bring more women into our industry, but we provide mentorship programs for them. We help them find a job, and we have webinars with other women leaders that teach them things that are really important, like resume writing, network, and such. In fact, we hired an intern this summer from Investment Institute on campus, and she was a star. I'm sure she'll go great places, and we really enjoyed working with her. And I also partnered with Lori Hardwick, and we started the MMI Women in Wealth program. That's focused on women in the workplace, zero to five years. There's a lot of studies that say that women in wealth management either stay after five years or decide this is not the career for them. So we really try to help them stay. We put webinars together. We meet at the MMI events. We bring the members together in large forums. And we also bring other women members to have conversations with them. It's been very rewarding. And this program has really taken off. I mentor many young women who are building their career and looking to grow into executive roles. I do most of this in my spare time and often have evening calls with my mentees. I feel it's so important to give back and help women succeed and to give them some of the learnings I've had during my career. Some other areas, you know, we're seeing a lot of focus on this. There's a group called Females in Finance that's led by Cheryl Hickerson. She started this as an idea and knew this was something she was passionate about. There's currently over 2,900 women who support each other and really help each other in this group. And I love being part of that group. And lastly, I love speaking on this subject. I'm asked to speak on a lot of panels, be keynote speaker, you know, speak on webinars about diversity and inclusion. I'm asked to share my perspectives. I'm asked to share stories. And I just think it goes a long way. You know, when people see people like you who have the opportunity to be successful, the opportunity to learn from them, you know, I think that's really important. Yeah, it definitely is. That's amazing. I always love working with people that are as passionate about diversity and inclusion as I am. I'm sure we could actually probably talk about this for an hour, but I only have one follow-up question, which is you've stated that diversity and inclusion go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. To embrace this mindset, what should we be doing to attract and retain talent from historically underrepresented areas? You know, I've talked about diversity and inclusion for a really long time. I think we need to get beyond talking and really embrace it. And I think the industry is starting to do that. It's not just really focused on diversity anymore. There's a lot of focus on social justice. I'm on advisory board at MMI focused on social justice, and it's really making a big change in our industry. The conversations are good, they're fresh, and they're real. So, you know, I think at Tegra, we're a newer company now. We're working on our DNI strategy. And I'd say some of the key factors that really ensure that you walk the walk are having diversity awareness training. You want to make sure you can equip your team and help them create a more inclusive workplace across generations, race, and gender. And I, you know, I always believe that what gets measured gets done. So measure where you are today and put a goal in place where you want to be. I'll tell you, in our more recent RFPs, we're seeing this question being asked. What is the makeup of your board? What is the makeup of your executive team? What is the makeup across your organization around different races and different genders? So it's really important that we start measuring this as an organization and as an industry and put goals in place. I think what's really important is to make sure you have a diverse candidate pool when hiring. 
that's what we do when we're hiring for roles. We want to make sure that there's a diverse candidate pool. We want to work with recruiters that have DNI as an important factor in interviewing. And we, you know, we haven't done this. And I think this is where the industry is moving towards. We're going to have to start mandating that a diverse candidate is included in each senior position interview process. And I think that's really important because if they're not included in that interview process, obviously they're not going to be able to get that role. So it's really important that there's a focus on this. And then lastly, foster a company culture where every voice is welcomed, heard, and respected. And that's really what we do at Tegra 118. We make sure that every voice is welcome, everybody is heard, and we respect everybody's opinion. And more diversity brings in different opinions, which is always great to have. I couldn't agree more with all of that. And I think, frankly, I'm, I'm pretty optimistic with, with some of the progress that I've seen. Maybe it's a select few companies that we work with, but I'm pretty excited to see how some of this is changing. Most of the guests on this podcast read our newsletter every week. So we thought you'd enjoy it too. It's called Brain Food. It comes out every Sunday morning and it's packed with all the things you need to know about financial services and technology. You can subscribe at motivepartners.com. Now on to a slightly more somber topic. The last six months have been pretty difficult for pretty much everyone, but we, and I'm sure you are a firm believer in discovering opportunities through adversity. In the recent months, we've spent a lot of time at Motive, we've spent a lot of time at Tugger 118, and we've both discussed collectively a post-COVID world. What are your thoughts on life and business post-COVID, as well as what are the opportunities that can come out of it? Another good question. So I already talked about digitalization. I think that's a big opportunity coming out of COVID, and all firms are working on that now, including us. I also think voice interfaces and machine vision interfaces will become more widely used. Interfaces that recognize face and gestures will be used to limit the amount of physical contact needed to get business done. So I do believe there's going to be a lot more focus on voice. And I think that was already going, you know, with Alexa and Siri and others. There is already a movement there, but I think this is just going to make that movement faster. We're even seeing advisors looking to be able to talk to Alexa and say, what's the market going to do today? How are my client portfolios looking? So I think there's a big focus there. We've also learned, I think, through this, that working remotely can be successful. You know, I think that the way that we used to travel, get on a plane, go somewhere for a one-hour meeting, I think that's going to change forever. I think through different video communications, we can have meetings. We can even do whiteboard strategy sessions. We can do lesson planning. And now we're even seeing teachers being able to teach students. So I think that's all going to be different. You know, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. My daughter-in-law is a kindergarten teacher. And she's working really hard on making sure that as a remote kindergarten teacher, she's going to be able to have the best experience with her young students. So we're going to learn a lot this school year on how we can even be more focused on video and helping people be able to do things that you don't need to be in person for. I do think that video communication will become more important. There will be real innovation to make sure that communication is better today and better tomorrow. You know, I see the positive changes that Zoom and Microsoft Teams and Skype are making to continue to enhance their platforms. That will continue. And then firms will make, you know, real reviews of real estate. We're doing it. I think other firms are doing that. They're looking at, you know, what their real real estate strategies are. They want to make sure that they're spending their money in the right place. And then they want to give more flexibility to their associates to work from wherever they are and wherever they feel comfortable. So that's a big change than pre-COVID. And then lastly, I think we're going to see more digital and virtual events take place. 
Tegra 118 is hosting its first ever conference virtually. We really want it to be in person, especially as a new company. But we're putting a lot of effort in our virtual conference that starts in September. So I think we're going to see more and more of that. We're seeing that more people can attend these events due to no travel and no capacity issues, which is exciting. We know we can get a lot more people at our virtual event than we would have in person. And there's going to be better ways to get information out to clients via videos, via podcasts, via you know social media. I think that's all going to really become a bigger and better way to do and get more information out. And then firms can save money. I and mean, when you think about moving away from virtual events, you don't have the high cost of putting on a live event. Mm-hmm. I think the network aspect of in-person events is really going to be missed, especially me. I love going to those events and networking with people in our industry, especially being in this industry for so long, you know so many people. So I don't expect in-person events to completely go away. I do think they'll be different, and I think we'll offer more digital aspects complemented by in-person. So it'll be interesting to see where that goes. Yeah, it's a wild world. It is super interesting. I'm curious to see how it plays out. Frankly, I do miss some in-person interaction, and Motive always had amazing office snacks. So maybe I'm better off without them, but I do miss them. So we always ask about talent and leadership, two topics that are pretty important to us, and I'm sure to you too. What are some of the best lessons in talent and leadership that you've learned over your professional journey? Yeah, I think just working for a short time with Motive, that is definitely something that Motive and us are very focused on. So I'll start with talent. My motto has always been to surround yourself with the best people. And I think that's really important now, especially as the industry is changing so rapidly. We really need to make sure we build the right products quickly and take them to market for our clients. We need to be relentless in our quest to gain and retain top talent. With COVID and the ability to work remotely, we're seeing that it doesn't matter where you live. So there's a bigger opportunity to bring in some really strong talent that you would not have thought of before because you thought they needed to sit in New Jersey. So it's interesting when you think of it that way. Hmm. Also, I believe, and we talked about this already, you need a diverse team. So from a talent perspective, you want a team that has different experiences and you want to make sure that that team can bring those experiences forward and really have diversity of thought. I've always made sure that I have a strong network. I can turn to that network for talent needs. And I think it's important to understand your top talent, help them get to the next level with mentorships, coaching, and stretch goals, and really make sure that they're at their best every day. So talent is very important and always surround yourself with the best people. From a leadership perspective, you know, I think there's some key competencies that are really important for me. And I've instilled them in my leadership team as well. Those competencies are integrity, communication, trustworthiness, passion, and problem solving. You know, I've always said, and I really believe this, that leadership isn't a title, it's a mindset. Everybody can be a leader, especially those people that, you know, are working in the organization that don't have a VP title, but they really lead. They lead every day. They lead our clients through problem solving. They lead their teammates. So leadership doesn't have to be a title, but if you want to truly stand out, make leadership your mindset. In order to get to where we need to be for our clients and our industry, you know, we talked about this industry changing so rapidly and our big mission, we need to make sure that we lead the way and that we have the right leaders helping us get there. It takes strong leadership and, you know, grit is also a favorite word of mine, especially lately, but it takes strong Mm -hmm. leadership and grit to realize that vision and we're on a path to do that. You know, we're really transforming the business and delivering on our vision and mission. So I'd say leadership is all about motivating people to do the job, work hard. And I also think you need to have fun along the way. 
And there's a lot of data out there now that the new leaders need to be more empathetic. They need to listen to their people and they need to be more flexible. So I'm glad you asked that question because I really believe talent and leadership. That's why we're all here. That's really what's going to get us to the next level. That's super interesting and and all makes sense. This next question is always a fun one to ask, particularly for someone that's led as successful of a career as you have. What advice do you wish you were given before starting your career? You know, I I have to think about that one, but, you know, I usually give people the benefit of the doubt and I've been burned sometimes by doing that. So I would say that I wish I had advice that said, you can't change people. People are going to need to want to change. And even if you think, you know, you can really work with them and help them and drive them to be different, you can't change people who don't want to change. So that would be one advice that I wish I had. That's a pretty important one, you know, as you scale your career into a leadership position as well. So I've got a couple fun questions to end on. The first one is who through your career would you consider some of your business role models? I love that question. So I'm going to call out three people. My very first boss, Jay Whipple, is still to this day one of my biggest role models. Jay Whipple was all about people. He knew how to motivate people to get the job done. And he taught us how important that is to have a diverse team, to think about. We put Myers-Briggs in place even before that was popular. So I would say Jay Whipple really helped me think about the people aspect of leadership. Second is Mike Giannone. Mike Giannone came in, was a leader for our business at Fiserv. And then Mike moved on to be the CEO of BlackBot. What Mike did was take a chance on me. Mike and I got to know each other really well. He was a great coach. He was a great mentor to me. When it was time for him to move on, he put a big push in to make sure that I was president of the business unit. And he took a chance and he took a belief in me. And I'll always you know, remember him for that. But he also taught me a lot along the way. And he definitely continues to be a role model, even outside of the business. And then lastly, for many, many years, I had an executive coach who last year passed away. Her name was Chris McConnell. But Chris was somebody who actually asked the hard questions and gave you real honest feedback and helped me get to where I need to go. She didn't sugarcoat anything. You know, she made sure that if you had an issue, she was available morning, noon, or night. But what I loved about Chris is that she really helped me. She made me listen to some things that I could be doing differently. And like I said, she never sugarcoated anything. And I think that's so important as you're rising up in your Mm -hmm. career, that you have somebody who's very honest with you and gives you advice and that you take that advice and feedback and really put it into action. So those are my three that I would say have been really significant in my career. They all sound incredibly valuable. On the last one, what is the best investment you didn't make? And this can obviously be a financial investment, a time investment, maybe a change in your career. What do you think was the best one you didn't make? That I didn't make. So I didn't change my career. So I'd say that's a good one. But, um, (laughs) you know, this is the one that I want to think about outside of the business world. And it's really investing in the people. So I did invest in people, the people that I love, the dreams that I have with my family, living a life that matters. You know, when I think about how much time I personally took away from that to run this business and grow this business and continue to rise up, that was significant time. 
So maybe the best investment I didn't make was in early years, my family, but I've been able to really, you know, catch up and really spend a lot of time, especially in this COVID world, right? I'm working from home. My son and his new wife live with us now as they're looking to save money to buy a house. So I do think, you know, when you're thinking about the best investment you didn't make, think about time, you know, time where you spend time. I think that's, you know, instead of investing in stock markets and others, I think I would tell people to think about where you spend your time. That's extremely important and valuable. We're coming to the end here. This has been a fantastic conversation on my end. I hope it was on yours as well. So just wanted to thank you, Cheryl, for joining the podcast. Hopefully, we'll get to see each other in person again soon. I sure hope so. And you did a great job, Miguel, as your first podcast interview. I enjoyed being interviewed by you. Thank you for that. (laughs) Of course. All right. Thanks, Cheryl. Thank you. Thank you for your time and insights. And thank you very much for tuning in. I'm Sam. See you next time. The information contained in this podcast is intended for discussion purposes only. It is not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation for the purchase or sale of a security or any services of motor partners. All investing involves risk, and there is no guarantee that past performance will be indicative of future results. The views and opinions expressed in the podcast are as of the date of recording, reflect the views and opinions of the persons expressing them, and do not necessarily represent the views or opinions of motive partners. Motive partners makes no representations or warranties as to the accuracy, reliability, or completeness of any information provided, and undertakes no obligation obligation to update, amend, or clarify the information in the podcast, whether as a result of new information, future events, or otherwise. Any securities, transactions, or holdings discussed may not represent investments made by motive partners. It should not be assumed that securities, transactions, or holdings discussed, if any, were or will be profitable, or that the recommendations or decisions made in the future will be similar, or will equal the performance of the securities, transactions, or holdings discussed herein. This podcast may contain forward-looking statements that are based on beliefs, assumptions, current expectations, estimates, and predictions about the financial industry the economy, motive partners or motive partners investments. Nothing in the podcast should be construed or relied upon as investment, legal, accounting, tax or other professional advice or in connection with any offer or sale of securities.